So it's really important that as you prepare for your divorce, that you start to gather your financial information ahead of time. Um, and that would be gathering tax returns, bank statements, credit card statements. You are going to need all of that information. And you'd be surprised how, unfortunately, it disappears sometimes out of the house, out of the apartment during a divorce action. This is episode number 541 with Lisa Ziderman, how to handle finances when going through a divorce. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. To support you on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book. It's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And it's filled with 30 chapters. Each one of them really outlines one of the pillars of core confidence, show up, stand up, or speak up. They're all to lead you to the confidence you need to have the best life you can have. So whether you're single or in a relationship, this book will help you. And you can find it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. This week's tip on becoming a woman of value is step number 12 from the book. And it is be firm about your standards. We often have either no standards or poor standards when it comes to relationships and dating, or we set a standard and then we let it go. We don't really uphold what is important to us. And this is particularly true for today's episode, because when it comes to getting divorce and finance, we can really get screwed over if we are not true to what is important to us. And we're going to go deep into this topic in just a moment. So I want to challenge you this week that if you have a standard that is important to you, a boundary that you have set really work hard at not letting somebody weaken that boundary because it is just not going to be good for you. Before I bring Lisa on, I want to invite you to become a member of Your Last First Date on Facebook. This is my wonderful Facebook group. It is to support single women over 40 who want to have a good experience in dating. We often dread dating. We talk about how terrible it is. Many, many groups for singles are just a cesspool of anger and bitterness, and that is not what we do. We are there to support you on your journey, give you actual tips and tools. I am live there every single week. I'm very active in my group. So join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Lisa Ziderman. She is a matrimonial attorney and a certified divorce financial analyst. She handles complex financial and custody divorce matters, as well as pre and post nuptial agreements. She's been on many best of peer nominated lists in the New York City metro area. She's a founding member of the American Academy of Certified Financial Litigators, and she's a member of the Forbes Business Council. She's also been published in Forbes, Psychology Today, Financial Advisor Magazine, and the New York Law Journal. And we're excited to have her here today. Welcome. Thanks so much, Sandy, for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to be talking with you. Well, thank you. So let's start with some of the common mistakes that people make when they ask for a divorce. So I would say one of the common mistakes that they make is not understanding that the other person may not be on the same page at the same moment as them. And so when I say that, when someone is asking for a divorce, they may have had the time to think it out and to prepare for it. They can't expect that their spouse is going to have had that same time necessarily. And so they have to give a little bit of time 
for this to all gel with their with their spouse and to give some breathing space and some unwinding time for a divorce to occur. I think that that would be one one place that I would say is a mistake. The other is not having enough financial information. And so it's really important that as you prepare for your divorce, that you start to gather your financial information ahead of time. Um, and that would be gathering tax returns, bank statements, credit card statements. You are going to need all of that information. And you'd be surprised how, unfortunately, it disappears sometimes out of the house, out of the apartment during a divorce action. Also making sure that you have your, and I, this is really important to some people, your separate property ducks in a row. So what do I mean by that? You may have come into the marriage with separate property. You may have been married before. You may have actually had some sort of a prenuptial agreement, or you may have received an inheritance during the marriage. It would be really important to make sure that you have all that documentation, including any prenuptial agreement or postnuptial agreement in your hands and safe and sound before you start your divorce action and before you make your announcement that you're going to get divorced so that you have all that information and so that you've actually even perhaps turned it over to an attorney. I would say the other thing is to make sure you have a strong team ready to go in place um, on day one. So when I asked for a divorce, I did it all wrong. I didn't do oh, any no. of these things. <laughs> um, eventually I got it right, but um, it was interesting that all of these financial things come up, obviously, because marriage is partially a business agreement. It is really where you're, you have finances involved, you have property. There's a lot of things that come up besides the children, and if you have them. And we had a mediator who really was not working in my best interest when it came to finances. And I realized right away, this is not something that can be mediated. I needed my own private attorney who was going to fight for me. And in the end, I got most of what I deserved, but having this knowledge ahead of time is so important. So I, I'm sure you've seen some pretty big horror stories when people were not prepared. Can you share like one example of something that happened when somebody didn't have a prepared financial, you know, all the finances in a row? So look, I'm going to say this. I've seen, um, certainly people have come to me and I've seen this quite a bit where they go through a mediation like maybe you did. Maybe they go very far along into the mediation. And I certainly have had clients come to me that, where this has happened and they've spent a great deal of money in this mediation and they don't understand any of the finances. They didn't have someone who was a mediator who was going to be going through discovery or going through, you know, perhaps even depositions, et cetera, or even maybe even exchanging sworn financial statements. And then they come along, maybe $50,000, frankly, later out of a mediation, they show me the agreement and I say, okay, but what's this based upon? And it's really based upon air. And perhaps they are in a situation where the other spouse has control of the finances and has really worked this mediation to their advantage. And so I would say if you really have a situation where you have 
financial wherewithal, you should get an attorney because advocating for yourself when you don't have all the information in a mediation is not a good thing. Yes, if you have control of the finances, if you know exactly what the finances are, if you want to take control of it in a mediation, that does work for some people, but it's not going to work for the other spouse. Yeah, it's a good advice. I would say been there, done that, wouldn't do it again. Um, So let's talk about the scenario where somebody suspects that their spouse is hiding income or assets. I have seen this a lot. What should people look out for? Well, so first of all, it's a collection of documents. So here's a great example. I had a client who literally brought me the breadcrumbs and she would um, literally go through the garbage cans and find things that the husband had ripped up or you know thrown out and and they were clues to offshore accounts or they were clues to bank accounts that she had no idea sales of property that she just didn't even know that they were in escrow accounts etc so they should start to look for um i would say Things like bank statements are no longer coming to the house. Credit card statements are no longer coming to the house. They have no passwords to the accounts. Um, If this is happening, then they need to make sure that they carefully are looking at tax returns, that they save those tax returns, because those tax returns are the beginning of the breadcrumbs. There is a schedule on the tax returns that actually gives you information as to dividends and interest. And that may be the very first place that your attorney may look for accounts. But there are many things that don't go on tax returns necessarily. So if your spouse has, for example, interest in real estate, partnership interest, limited partnership interest, those distributions may not be taxable during a given year. They may not be taxable for many years. And so that won't be enough to know. You have to start looking at all of the bank account statements and the credit card statements. And if you're not getting access to that, you have to ask yourself, why? Yeah, I was going to say that a lot of people don't get things sent to the house anymore. They are all online because people pay bills online. So are you saying that most couples share passwords? And uh, mm-hmm. okay. I, I think that most couples share passwords. So I would say to you that, um, and maybe it's because I'm a divorce attorney, but I think it's frankly, because I have luckily a very good marriage. Okay. We share our passwords for accounts. Now, you know, if if something is for some reason in one of our names, the other party has the password. Most things for, you know, are, are just the passwords are there and everybody has access and spreadsheets are given and exchanged. And we have very frank conversations about what the assets are and complete transparency. If investments are being made, if money is being moved, if any of those things are happening, even if they're for the good of the family, they need to be discussions. And if, and and I agree with you that so many things now are online, but that's even more reason why you have to have the passwords. I agree with that, especially if it's a shared asset. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. 
thinking of second and third marriages where people keep their finances separate. So if in those cases, then there's probably less of an issue in terms of certain certain assets, other assets, if there's not a prenup or a postnup, there could be issues, right? So I, I would say even when people keep their, when their assets are separate property, there should be transparency. And I'm going to say the reason I think why is because you may have common expenses, for example. And, you know, if one of you has so much more in terms of assets than the other, or if that person's income is separate and there's no prenup, then perhaps it's not fair of how the the expenses are being divided. It's really important, no matter what, to have transparency, which is why I say to people they should enter into prenuptial agreements or postnuptial agreements. Even though the assets are separate, you need to know what's going on in your life together as a couple. Yeah, let's let's talk about the value of a prenup and what what a prenup is because I think a lot of people don't really understand it and some people get offended when people ask them for a prenup. Um yeah, talk a little bit about that. So, Sandy, you mentioned earlier that um, marriage is basically a financial partnership. It's a, a contract in, in some ways. And a prenuptial agreement really addresses that particular issue. So parties enter into prenuptial agreements whereby certain provisions are made for perhaps perhaps division of assets in the event of a divorce or in the event of someone's death, um, division of expenses perhaps during the marriage and even after um, someone's death, right? Um, and division uh, and and alimony, spousal support, and other divisions of separate property, marital property, and what is going to be defined as separate property or marital property. It is a contract. You sign it in a very specific way, particularly in New York State, where it has to be acknowledged and signed in the same form as to file a deed in New York State, otherwise it is not valid, and it is your contract. In some states, including New York, but not all states, you can enter into an agreement after the marriage, and that would be a postnuptial agreement. Not all states um, look at postnuptial agreements the same way. In New York State, they are valid contracts, and they are definitely recognized by the court as such. And again, you can spell out issues like spousal support, division of assets, division of expenses, et cetera. It is a way to enhance the marriage. And if it's done with full transparency, it is very, very helpful to uh, to someone during and after the marriage. I say that because the full transparency allows you to make a plan for yourself. Even if you are not the moneyed spouse, in other words, not the spouse with the assets, don't you want to know what will happen in the future? Don't you want to know if you should be building your career or supporting your spouse and staying home and taking care of children and your spouse? Isn't it important to know how it could end if things go wrong? And so this is a roadmap. And I always say this, this is a roadmap for the future. And it's so important to have. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense to me. I think so few people really talk in full transparency about anything, you know, and the more transparent we can be. I remember talking to my married daughter about talking about money and does she know what they have and what they spend and where they're investing or not investing. And at one point they were in debt. 
her husband had taken out money on her credit card to pay for something silly, really not should not have done it. And he had credit card debt that was not going away. They weren't doing anything about it. And I said, you get that taken off. First of all, it's in your name. You need to get that taken off and, and pay that down as soon as possible. And I put her in touch with somebody to help her. But people don't pay attention. They don't, they just, oh, we're just not going to look at it. It's going to go away. You know, I, I certainly just trusted my husband that he was doing the right thing. And he wasn't somebody who wasn't trustworthy, but he was also not, not really managing finances in the way that I do now as a divorced woman. I, and I've taught my kids because I learned post-divorce how important it was to manage money that you've got to take control. You can't just trust that somebody else is going to control your money, that it's going to, that you're going to stick it in a bank and that's a good idea or, you know, and also just, I have had conversations with my kids about finance for them in terms of what happens to me. If something happens to me, what happens to my money? So I think, you know, just having these conversations is so important and I'm glad that you're bringing this up because a lot of people who listen to this are dating after divorce. They are considering marriage. They are married again. A lot of people's second and third marriages don't work. And so it's really important to have these pieces in mind um, before you get married again. I would agree. And the percentage of, you know, second and third marriages that does not, that do not work is, is high. And so you definitely need to consider that. Also, if you've already been divorced, you now want, don't want to divide your assets necessarily again. And you may be in a situation where you're in that bracket of gray divorce and you need to be planning for your retirement. So there's lots of reasons um, that people need to be very cautious in terms of making sure that they have thought about how their assets are going to be allocated. Um, and again, during the marriage, after the marriage, if it was to be dissolved, and even during, you know, after someone's death. And very important during second and third marriages um, to enter into these prenuptial agreements. Yeah, totally. So is there anything that I haven't asked you about finances during divorce, before divorce, uh, any of those those things that I haven't asked you yet? So I would say that what what I see that is most frustrating to people, particularly in second and third marriages, is when they have not kept their separate property separate. So in New York and in many states, not all, because in some states there's community property, even if you haven't entered into a prenup or a postnuptial agreement where there's equitable distribution, it is really important to make sure that you maintain documents and that you maintain all of the information necessary to trace your separate property. So if this is a second or third marriage, you want to make sure that you keep your separate property separate. If you've spent it down, it's gone. If you've commingled it with marital earnings, meaning earnings during the marriage, it may then also be gone. And so it is incredibly frustrating when you meet someone who may have come into the marriage, a second, third, or even a first marriage with many assets, and they have either spent them down while the other person saved their separate property assets, or they've commingled them while the other person 
kept their separate property assets separate or the documents are gone or they literally just shredded them the week before they came to me, all those documents, because remember, bank statements are usually not able to be retrieved after seven years. It is so important that you make sure you maintain your separate property. And I think that that is the most frustrating thing that I see for people when they are going through a divorce. Mm, that's really good advice. Um, well, this has been a really enlightening conversation, Lisa. I really appreciate it. I think that the knowledge is power. And I think that when people really are mindful of their hard-earned money, even if you've been a spouse and you haven't been the primary breadwinner, you deserve to have what you deserve to have. I think that it's really hard for people post-divorce. I have a friend who's husband was just a piece of work. And I'm not going to go into all the stuff that he did, but she made the majority of the money and she's still paying him alimony seven, 10 years later. It's, she said to me, she can't retire until she's in her seventies because of their alimony agreement. And I can imagine like people who who end up in these situations, how horrible it is. Um, and the main reason he didn't have money is because he chose not to work. He was a Harvard MBA, Harvard lawyer, sorry, uh, who had a photographic memory, aced his way through Harvard and ended up never really going into law. I mean, just, uh, you just don't know, right? You don't know. And so protect yourself so that you don't end up in terrible situations. Um, Lisa, tell everybody how they can find you. So they could look at my blog, which actually has a lot of information and which will also um, have your podcast eventually with me. <laughs> um, and that is lisaziderman.com. They can also email me at lz at mzw-law.com or they can call at 914-455-1000. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and helping our audience be smarter about finances. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks everybody for listening today. We really appreciate you. If you love the show, please rate and review us. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.